Good morning, church. The scripture reading for this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's astounding, isn't it, that uh, how a crisis brings out our priorities. What's essential? What is mission critical? There are turning points uh, in each of our lives, in our culture, where we have to ask what really matters. I think personally, socially, economically, this is one of those moments we're living through it right now. And I hope that you're intrigued that our church has zeroed in on the Lord's Prayer. Justice, bread, deliverance, evil. Uh, These are the core themes, the core elements, the central elements of the Lord's Prayer. And can there be anything more relevant for our lives right now? Today we're looking at the fourth of six petitions, uh, six parts that make up the Lord's Prayer. And I hope that you find in this prayer for daily bread something that is true and good and beautiful for your life uh, this week. I have an outline. It's very, it's very simply, it's just two parts. What do we need and what does God give? What do we need and what does God give? If there's one thing that the Lord's Prayer teaches us, it's this, and the global pandemic that we're experiencing right now confirms it. It's that we are needy creatures. You are not autonomous. You're not independent. You're not self-sufficient and self-sustaining. You are fragile, dependent, needy. That's just who we are by definition. Your health is fragile. Your 401k is fragile. Your routines, your plans, your whole entire life is insecure and vulnerable. Let that sink in just for a moment. Don't waste your pandemic. Reflect on the reality that you and I are weak, dependent creatures. Recently, I read that the World Health Organization announced that Europe has now become the center of the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, Santiago Moreno, who is a director of a hospital in Madrid, he confessed uh, just this week that he said, we have sinned from too much confidence. See, as he explained it, everyone in Spain thought an epidemic such as the novel coronavirus Uh, could spread or would spread in places like China, but not, he said, quote, in a country like ours. The sin of too much confidence. I think that's something that we all need to reckon with, that we are entirely dependent on another for everything, all the time. See, the prayer for daily bread disabuses us of the lie that we are in control, that we are masters of our own fate. So what do we need? Uh, What do we need? Well, we need things that make life possible. Uh, Historically, the Protestant reformers saw in this petition for daily bread the sum of everything 
that makes up our life. One writer said that by daily bread is meant all the things the withholding of which gives pain to human nature. Uh, The German pastor and theologian Martin Luther says, our daily bread means this, food, drink, clothes, shoes, houses, farms, fields, land, money, property, a good marriage, good children, honest and faithful public servants, a just government, favorable weather, health, honors, good friends, loyal neighbors. See, I think Jesus is inviting us to bring all of our desires into the throne room of a father. And you know, in precarious times like like the ones that we are living through, that's encouraging that Jesus doesn't just invite us, but actually commands us to call out to God with our needs. And not just some of them, but all of them. God isn't so big that he's distant or that our needs are too small. He commands us to pray for bread, sure. But he also commands us and invites us to ask for groceries, to pray for good health, to ask for toilet paper, to ask for economic stability, to pray for vaccines and medication, the eradication of this virus, a stable job, and the safety and security of our loved ones. See, friends, God made us with a stomach. He made us a body. And you have physical needs that make life possible, even enjoyable. And God made you with those desires and then tells you to ask him to meet them. But there's something, there's something beyond just the daily physical bread of the Lord's Prayer. And while this prayer does affirm our physical needs and God's provision of those, I think that it also points beyond itself to something even deeper. 20th century theologian Karl Barth, uh, he said that the reference to the bread in the Lord's Prayer contains a meaning far more simple, natural, and material. And at the same time, far more profound and sublime than we suppose. So the meaning of the bread is, is, is simple, natural, and material, but at the same time, far more profound and sublime than any of us would suppose. What does he mean? Let me show you. Remember who Jesus is talking to uh, in this Sermon on the Mount, this prayer. He's speaking to a, a Jewish audience, people whose ancestors had escaped slavery in Egypt hundreds of years before. And these, this nation, the Israelites, were led into the desert for decades. The story of their journey in the book of Exodus recounts a period of time when God himself rained bread from heaven on this people. They called it uh, manna. It was a special bread. It's recounted for us in Exodus chapter 16. And this manna was given each and every day. And people gathered, they were instructed to gather a one-day supply of this manna, this bread. The manna was quite literally Israel's daily bread. Now, this special bread, this manna, had a dual purpose. Uh, On the one hand, it was to put food in their stomachs. But years later, God told Israel of another purpose, a greater purpose, uh, that the daily bread, this manna, served. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses told the people that, quote, God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, 
that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So do you catch the irony there of this daily bread, the manna in the Old Testament? The irony is that the daily bread of the Exodus is God fed his people physically in order to awaken in them a spiritual hunger, a spiritual appetite, a realization that they needed God, that not just our stomachs, but our souls, our whole being, depend each and every moment on the Lord. That our lives depend in their entirety, body and soul, on someone else. See, Jesus is telling us in this prayer uh, for daily bread that you and I have a spiritual hunger. Everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter your belief system or if you've been a Christian for your entire life. You have a spiritual hunger. Underneath your physical hunger is a spiritual hunger that everyone is looking to satisfy all the time. And of course, we try to fill ourselves up with, with work and career and family and social approval and booze and vacations. And the question is, how is that, how is that working for us? Uh, in all the extra time, I guess you could say, that we've had this week, one of the things I've caught up on is... Um, the Netflix uh, documentary, Miss Americana, which features uh, some of the career highlights of one of my favorite singer and songwriters, Taylor Swift. And there's a moment in this documentary where uh, Taylor candidly admits that there is always some standard of beauty that you are not meeting. What she's getting at is this exact truth that you and I have a spiritual hunger. We have a longing. There's something that we're reaching after that we always are, that always eludes us, that always escapes us. See, this prayer for daily bread is an ask that God would care for our bodies. And at the same time, it's a plea that God would fill our souls with something that lasts, with something that's forever. That's what we need. That's what you and I need each and every day. So what, what is it that God gives? That's our second point. What is it that God gives? Look, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this part, but the beauty of the Lord's Prayer is the, the interconnectedness, the interrelatedness of all of its parts. To meditate well on this request for daily bread, you need to see how it relates to everything else in the entire prayer. That means that when you pray, you are praying not to a boss, not to a king, not to a president, but as the opening address of the Lord's Prayer instructs us, you're praying to a father. Do you know what a good parent is like? A good parent's happiness is, is bound up with the happiness and the health of their child. One chapter later in Matthew chapter 7 Jesus is still in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Friends, we have a Father. A Father who wants joy for us. A father who generously gives to us. A father who begrudges us no good thing. That should fill your heart and your soul and your mind 
with confidence, with security. But how do you know, right? How do you know? I mean, when, when Costco's supply is depleted, when the market crashes, when the, when the company begins a new round of layoffs, when you get that diagnosis from the doctor, how can you trust that this father is going to give you what's best? Friend, you can know that this father is going to give you what's best because he already has. He already has. Did you know that each stanza of the Lord's Prayer is a, is a picture of Jesus? It's a glimpse, it's a window into his character and mission. In fact, the Lord's Prayer, I would argue, is more about who Jesus is and what he has done than it is an instruction or teaching for us on how to pray. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, right before he delivers this Sermon on the Mount, he is cast out into the wilderness, into the desert, just as ancient Israel was after they were delivered out of slavery in Egypt. And there he, he begins fasting for 40 days. He goes without food for 40 days. And at the end of that period of time, uh, the, the Satan, the deceiver, the tempter, the serpent uh, comes to Jesus and tempts him to make bread out of stones. He, 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 he asked Jesus to be confident in himself, to be reliant on himself, not to trust the provision of his father, not to trust the care of his father, but to get the job done himself. But you know what Jesus, how he responded, even though he was hungry, even though he was famished, he refused to be self-reliant. He entrusted himself and his care into the hands of a father. He got stones, but he refused to try to live independently of his father's will. He waited for his father in childlike trust to give him bread on his own terms and in his own timing. But I guess the question is, what, that's, that's, a, that's a good story, uh, but does this prayer actually work? Does praying for daily bread actually do anything? Does it work? That's the big question. Like there are people who have prayed this prayer before and then died of starvation. So I can hear my, the gears of my mind turning. Does this actually work? Does it accomplish anything? Do you know that Jesus knows what that question is like. He knows what it's like to pray something and have it not answered in the way that he desired. Jesus knows what it's like to cry out to God and not get the answer that he wanted. You might say even that Jesus prayed for bread and got stones. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays that the cup of the cross, that the cup of judgment, that the cup of wrath, that was going to fall on him on the account of all of us sinners would be removed from him. He asked for life and he got death. See, God in the flesh, there's no other God, there's no other religion that makes this claim. God in the flesh hungered so that you could be filled. Jesus's body was broken. It was, it was crumbled apart so that you could be made whole. Jesus, in whom the fullness of God dwelt eternally, was emptied so that you could be made full. 
You see, we are needy creatures, friends. Our lives utterly depend on another. They, they depend on the gift of someone outside of us. And the good news is this, that that gift has already been given in Jesus Christ. Just as our physical life depends on something external to us, so too our enoughness, our satisfaction, our righteousness, our sufficiency depend on someone external to us. Friends, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the gift that's already been given. Let me close with this story from John chapter 6. Uh, this is the, the account of when Jesus fed over 5,000 people. It's the story that maybe some of you grew up with, with the young boy who had a couple of loaves and a couple of fishes that were then miraculously multiplied by Jesus to feed an entire crowd. And after Jesus feeds this crowd and fills their bellies and their stomachs, uh, the crowds begin to follow him. And Jesus, in, in a very Jesus-like way, begins to rebuke the crowd. And he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. I find it fascinating that during this pandemic, um, there's sort of this great urgency to figure out what does work look like? I think all of our lives have been turned upside down in the last few days. What does it all mean? How do we be productive? How do we create uh, new systems of sustainability and rituals to make our lives productive, to keep work going? And those are all important questions and necessary questions. But don't get it confused with the work that God requires. Jesus says, this is the work of God. This is the one central thing you must do, that you believe in the son that God gave to you, Jesus the Christ. Jesus says, friend, if you eat this bread, if you eat his flesh, if your faith and your hope and your trust is on this Jesus, then your sins are forgiven then you'll never be cast out, you'll never be lost. Even death itself becomes an entrance into life forever with Jesus and loved ones forever. Where there is no thirst, there is no hunger, because you will forever be with this Jesus at the great wedding supper of the Lamb. Friends, this is the hope of Christianity, the confidence of Christianity. That when you pray this prayer, Father, give us our daily bread. You are entrusting your lives, your eternity, your destiny into a God who has already hungered, already thirsted on your behalf, and so promises you that one day you will be at an eternal banquet with him forever in joy. Amen. And let's go to this Father now in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God. Your word says that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. With you, there is no change. You are a Father who loves us. And when we ask things from you, you will not turn us away. 
but in your timing, in your wisdom, in your sovereignty, we know that everything will work for our good. And we can bank on that because you have already given us the best gift of all. You've given us Jesus, the bread that came down from heaven, the bread of life. So help us to eat of this bread that we might not perish but have everlasting life. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.